0: Workers' compensation insurance is the sixth largest line of insurance in the United States, according to the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. Total direct written premiums were more than $52 billion last year. Despite the numbers, you'd be hard pressed to find many people who could explain what workers' comp is. But that's part of what we're going to find out now. What is workers' comp? How does it work? Why is it necessary? And what are the challenges that companies face? To control costs and keep workers working hello i'm david Hilgen. welcome to future of risk presented by zurich north america our guest today is Maro garcia technical director and head of workers compensation underwriting for zurich north america hi mario welcome to the podcast thanks for having me mario i was surprised by how big a market workers comp is and that zurich is the fourth biggest writer of workers' comp in the U.S. Can we start off with a basic question? What exactly is
1: workers' compensation insurance? A great question. Workers' compensation is a mandated insurance that employers are required to provide for their employees. And what this does is it provides protection for the employees who become injured on the job. What this includes is gonna be your medical benefits, it'll cover your loss of wages, the opportunity for rehabilitation in the event that you have a serious claim that would require rehabilitation and the unlikely event of death. For example, if you were injured on the job and you hurt your back lifting something heavier than you probably should have, what workers' compensation would do is come in and cover the medical losses resulting from the injury, would cover your loss of wages since you're unable to work, and would help you with the rehabilitation to make sure that you are able to return to a meaningful job as you get back to work. Workers' compensation is also exclusive remedy following a workplace injury, and what this means is, in exchange for the benefits that I just described, a worker is not able to sue the employer for the workplace injury, regardless of the negligence by the employer or the employee.
0: Okay, wow, that's a lot, and it goes a long way to explain why it is such a large part of the insurance market. In the news uh, lately, there's been lots of reports about employee wages being on the rise. How does this trend and the larger trend of economic inflation impact the workers' compensation market?
1: Well, workers' compensation is fortunate compared to some of the other lines of insurance where the exposure base used in calculating premium is inflation sensitive. So as wages go up, the losses go up. And ultimately what this does is keeps the rate in balance, the okay. you know, premiums and benefits stay in balance as the two go up. So as your as your wages go up, your premium would go up. Um, as your wages go up as well, your losses would go up because again, we're covering the losses as you're unable to work. So this it helps to keep the two in balance to make sure that inflation isn't really impacting the line of business as much. Now, in addition, we also have the opportunity to to address this through the rate-making process that happens every year within all the states. So if there was an opportunity for an unbalanced situation, we would then have the opportunity to go back and adjust the rates to make sure that these two are in balance. Well, that makes sense.
0: I often hear stories about people... uh committing fraud in workers' comps. It seems like workers' comp fraud has been around as long as insurance has been around. How does fraud typically
1: work in workers' comp? Can you give me an example? Yeah, so fraud and workers' compensation can take many different forms, right? So if you think about claimant fraud, you'll see the opportunity for an individual to fake or exaggerate an injury that they've had. You've probably heard of the Monday morning accident. Somebody that got hurt over the weekend comes in Monday morning and claims that they got hurt on the job, um, reporting Correct. that as a worker's compensation claim. Sure. You'll also see medical provider fraud. So the doctor is claiming that the injuries that the individual have are much larger than what they really are. Or you'll even see them padding some claims to make them seem much larger and you know, lining their pockets with the money that insurers are required to pay for these claims. Yeah. There's also the opportunity for employer fraud as well. So okay. um, you could have an employer underreport the payroll, right? Because payroll is used in calculating the premium that we would charge. So if they yeah. only reported half of their employees' payroll in the premium calculation, it would okay. grossly understate the amount of premium really needed for the insured. Or you can also have them misclassify that. So you can call a construction worker an office worker and the rate is significantly different. Um, and you can see events like that that would cause problem. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's got to be an easier way to make money than than causing fraud, but (laughs) I I guess not Um, for some people, anyhow. Are there any statistics on how much fraud costs the industry?
1: Yeah, one of the things that I saw was, according to the FBI, they calculated that the workers compensation fraud costs the industry between six to seven billion dollars. There was one story that I read recently in California where there was a fraud rate, where you've had corrupt doctors, attorneys, medical service providers, handful of other people targeted minority workers to bring them into the system and what these guys were doing was ultimately exaggerating the severity of these injuries padding the claims uh, the attorneys were settling these claims and taking cut of this this example cost the California system more than 200 million dollars of expense and at the end of the day all of this additional expense all of this fraud makes it back into the rates and what we charge as premium for the industry. So all of this is an adverse impact to the industry and it pushes the rates up. We collect this premium in the industry. So what we do and a handful of other carriers is we put together these special investigation units that help to tackle the fraud and address this and prevent some of this stuff from happening.
0: Yeah, I'm familiar with uh, Zurich's uh, special investigator investigation unit uh it's amazing the stories you hear from them always is always is so i want to talk about uh telemedicine we we know that the use of telemedicine has skyrocketed during the covid19 pandemic what impact has telemedicine had on the
1: workers comp industry well if you were to think about covid telemedicine was one of the favorable impacts coming out of covid right Um, during lockdown during covid Um, What you saw is a huge increase in the amount of telemedicine being used during the pandemic. We've seen that drop off now that things are back to normal times. Um, But what this allowed us to do is avoid the delays in care, right? Delaying the care ultimately has an impact on the overall cost of the claim. And what this allowed us to do is continue to treat injured employees um, even during lockdown. And, And some of the other advantages and things that we were able to see is You think of the remote worker that doesn't have access to uh, specialized care. What this also Uh gave us is the ability to offer that specialized care to somebody that was in a remote location sooner than we ever have in in the past. And this also eliminates the cost of somebody going in and and getting treatment. Um, Having the ability to do this at your home, um, not having to schedule and make it into a doctor's office makes it a lot easier. So ultimately, I could see this um, being a huge benefit for the worktop system. Now, some of the challenges that we saw were the technology part of it, right? A lot of doctors sure. aren't familiar with the technology and putting it together. But you know the way that I see it is the future of telemedicine will be very favorable is now it seems like we've built the infrastructure to make a lot of this happen. And I think there's just going to be an increased use of this go forward. yeah, more opportunity. Oh, it's amazing how
0: the the pandemic has forced us all into these these remote c- communications. You know, like what we're doing now, we're speaking on a, on a Teams call, so fascinating. Right. Um, I want to talk about the opioid epidemic because it, it seems like we would be over that by now. I've been reading about this for years and years, but uh, it's caused incredible harm and financial loss. Reports have said that over-prescribing opioids led to it to addiction, to painkillers, and kept workers off the job for much longer than anticipated. How has it impacted workers' comp?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. This epidemic has just been awful for um, workers' compensation as well as the individuals that are on these opioids. Opioids are known to have many negative impacts on one's health. Um, Mm -hmm. The the worst of it all is, of course, the, the overdose and death from these prescribed drugs. Um, as soon as we see a claim come in that it has a chronic or long-term opioid prescription attached to it, we already have it um, known that the probability of this individual recovering sooner compared to somebody with a similar claim is just going to be much longer. So these individuals are out multiple times longer than the average individual, which increases the amount that this claim is going to cost. And obviously, the higher the cost, the higher the premium for this individual as well for this policy. Opioids are prescribed painkillers, right? So we take a step back and kind of think about what opioids are doing. What these do are are ultimately intended to block the pain signals from the brain and create this feeling of euphoria or relaxation, which has been making this drug addictive. So put all of this together, um, it's just been an awful impact to the the industry. Um, You think of the individuals that have recovered and are, are back to work, they're still addicted to this drug. And what you're seeing is them potentially creating an additional risk by being under the influence of the opioid and having less alert time, slower reaction, and having the potential to create more injuries for themselves or other employees, their colleagues uh, on the workplace. Now, the good thing is, given all the awareness, we have seen the usage of opioids drop significantly, which is saving the industry billions of dollars, and most importantly, the health of the individuals. Yeah. A lot of this has been driven by the drug formula formularies that have been put in place by certain states making sure that we're not prescribing opioids at a high rate there's been law enforcement actions targeting you know pill mills that are prescribing much more than what they probably should do as well as the application of evidence-based treatment guidelines you know helping doctors understand what's the right amount of opioids that should be given to an injured employee in the case Opioids need to be prescribed.
0: Yeah.
1: It sounds like the
0: solution to a workers' comp claim, uh, painkillers, can often be worse than the original claim sometimes. Definitely. Especially if you're over prescribing them. So I want to ask you next about flexible payroll reporting. I know some insurers like Zorik offer flexible payroll reporting for workers' comp insurance. What is it and why would a company opt
1: for? that. Yeah, this is actually a great product that I'm really excited to be offering. To really understand the benefit of flexible pay reporting, what I want to do is kind of explain how traditional workers' compensation policy works, right? Okay. So, think if you're an employer. Mm-hmm. In order to calculate the premium of what you're going to be charged for your policy, what you need to do is estimate the amount of payroll that you're going to have on your policy for the entire year, right? So, okay. given the amount of, um, turmoil that we've been seeing due to COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're a seasonal employer, you really don't know the specific business needs that you need. So your payroll may go up and down. How traditional workers' comp works is you estimate that payroll up front. um, You pay for the, the vast majority of it in your first payment at inception of the policy. And then three months after the expiration of your policy, you go through an audit process that trues up the amount of payroll that you had throughout that one year time period. And There's a final bill or potentially return of premium um, at the end of that at the end of that audit to reflect the true amount of exposure. Now, the way that flexible payroll reporting works is on a monthly basis, you have the opportunity to report your payrolls of what you actually had working during that month and pay the premium. At the end of that month to reflect your actual true exposure, right? Okay. So what this does is gives the policyholder the ability to really kind of control their cash flows, right? You don't have to put a down payment. There's no large amount of money due up front. You can pay based on the amount of exposure that you have, the amount of payroll, the amount of work that you're doing throughout the month. So it's a huge benefit to the customer. And then come audit at the end of your policy, there will be an audit done, but the amount of uh, premium that's gonna be required or return is gonna be much lower than what you would see on a traditional work comp policy. Yeah, So it makes it a lot easier for the customer to control their finances a little bit better.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds like it's uh, very convenient for our customers. Yes. Well, yeah. Finally, Mauro, I wanna ask, what are some of the things that companies can do to reduce their workers comp costs and avoid
1: losses? Yeah, that's a good question that's one of the questions we receive pretty frequently the way that i would look at it is in three parts right the first uh-huh. obvious one would be reduce your exposure to loss right if you have lower losses you should have a lower premium to reflect your potential for loss the easiest way to do that is training right educate your employees on workplace safety make sure that they understand what is a risk and what isn't a risk there's also opportunity to create a risk management area within your organization safety committees um, or even contracting with the risk engineer to help you to understand and identify the opportunities of workplace injuries. Because a lot of times uh-huh. we're so involved in the details of the work that we do that we don't really understand the potential for injury. And what the risk engineer would do is give you that opportunity to identify it and mitigate. It. Yeah. Another piece that I would a- address is the reporting. So, yeah. one of the things that we've noticed is the sooner you're able to report a claim, the sooner you're able to get that medical provider on the claim and making sure that you address the injuries that have occurred. This gives you the opportunity to hopefully reduce the amount of time that the employee's out of work and reduce the ultimate cost. And with that, too, you can also create a return to work program, which would help the employees come back, even if it's at a lower capacity. It gives them the ability to return to work, which would reduce your losses by you not having to pay the loss of wages as the employee is still working and the last piece that i would add is adjusting your program structure so just like your auto insurance that you've got for your personal auto put in a a deductible on it or higher deductible would also give you the opportunity to reduce the cost that you've got on your work comp policy
0: well that's good advice i'm interested in hearing more about the return to work program what is that like
1: that's a good question What the Return to Work program does is it helps the employee to come back to a position, even if it's not their original position, just to help them kind of get back into the workforce to help them get on their feet. An example of this would be if you had a construction worker that was injured on the job and he didn't have the ability to lift. What Return to Work does is gives them the ability to potentially come back. Maybe they come back as an office employee, right? Working at a desk, something a little more hands off. Okay, that makes sense. And what this does is helps the employee to get back into the workforce, which helps them mentally and helps with the cost of the individual claim, again, because we're not paying those indemnity losses, those losses of wages with the employee. So this helps not only the employee but the employer by reducing their loss exposure in an event of an injury. Very well Mor,
0: I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. Happy to be here. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. I am David Helgen, and this is Future of Risk.
1: Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at zurichna.com and join us next week.